Guys, today is so amazing. I'm so thankful for my good friend, Michael uh, Stevens. He has been faithfully leading our worship team here for the past uh, couple of years and been a part of the worship team for much longer than that. And um, he's truly, truly my best friend in this world. And I'm so excited for him to be speaking to you guys today in this series called All the Fills. And so let's make him feel welcome here at Ridgepoint Church. Thank you, Pastor Clayton. Come on, Ridgepoint, let's make some noise. No, just don't do that. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Listen, for those who do not know me again, my name is Michael Stevens. I am a husband, a father, a follower, and more importantly, I'm just thankful and humbled and honored to be here this morning, sharing the word of God with you guys this morning. Um, I am the husband of the beautiful woman who sang the last song. I am the, that caught me off guard. I am the father of four kids who may or may not be in here. So listen, if you have kids and they are wandering everywhere in here, I promise, do not worry because I hear it every day. Four kids does not get you a lot of rest. It does not get you sleep and it does not get you alone time. Let's just go ahead and set this record straight. So if you have them running around, they're completely fine. I hear dad every second of my life. Totally cool. I've been with Ridgepoint since 2015, um, worship team leader since 2019. And again, I am just so excited to be here with you guys this morning. Let's take a moment and pray if you don't care with me, okay? Father God, we love you and we thank you so much for everything you have done. Your spirit is here your presence is here. It's so tangible. I thank you for all the people who are here this morning. I thank you for the people who are watching online. God, I just pray that everything that I say is not by me. It's for you. You are, you're the one we're exalting, God. Every word that comes out of my mouth is for you, God. Give me um, wisdom. Um, let everything I say be according to your will. Um, I'm just so thankful and blessed and humbled, and I'm just so glad God, that you have me up here, and just to be a vessel, just to be a vessel. We're all vessels for your work in your kingdom, but this morning I just pray that someone hears something that is renewing, it brings restoration, it brings healing, whatever it is, God, I just pray that you are glorified and that your name is lifted above every other name in this world. It's in your name I pray, and that we say together, amen. Great. So again, thanks to Pastor for the opportunity, you know, back in December, our creative team was planning the series for February, and you know, you've got Valentine's Day smack dab in the middle, and we wanted to be really kind of cheesy. All the feels, all the feels, it's, you know, it's perfect. It fits with the series that we're doing right now, and we've been talking, Clayton talked on anxiety last week, the week before that hurt. Um, you know, there's a lot of feelings that we're having to go through, you know. The last year's been really crazy, okay? We're just now getting about to the year, about right around the year mark of when COVID hit. And it's been really tough on a lot of folks, guys. I mean, the emotions that we have felt over the last year, there's just more than you can explain. There's more than you can put a finger on with how many different ones that someone has felt, right? Um, so he gave me the choice to speak between last week's sermon and the days. And um, I felt really comfortable and called to speak on this topic that I'm going to be talking on today. And listen, at first glance, the two things I want to talk on today, they don't go hand in hand. You might say, Michael, what are you doing putting these two words, these two topics together? But listen, it's through the Word of God and the study, spending time with God, that I realized that these two words 
they, they have a lot to do with one another. And through God's actions in the Bible, we see how you can turn one thing of anger into kingdom building unity. Okay? That's what we're going to get started on today. And listen, before I get going, there's a saying that I want to say you do not have to believe to belong. If you're watching online, if you're in this place, I promise you, I 100% in this church believes that if it doesn't matter what you've walked in with or what you are dealing with right now, you are welcome and accepted here this morning at Ridgepoint, okay? Let me get that clear and set that straight. You are more than welcome to be here this morning and watching online, or if you watch in the future, that's cool too. So you're not here by coincidence, and we're, glo- we're so glad you're here. Let me jump into it. Today's world makes it easy for us to get angry, does it not? How many of you have been angry in the last week? Raise some hands. Last month? Yeah? How about the last year? Totally. There's James raising two hands super high in the back. <laughs> Listen, I, like two months ago, for whatever reason, I, you know, I had just got home. I work a, like a night morning um, job at UPS. And I had got home. Sometime in the afternoon, around 12 or so, my wife was working from home that day. She decides she's going to take the kids out or do something with them. I don't remember. And I come across in the closet floor a sweatshirt that she had thrown down. Now, if you know me, like my wife does, I like laundry. I like it to be done a certain way. I don't like clothes on the floor. I like clothes on hangers. And I, for whatever reason, picked that sweatshirt up and in my anger threw it at the wall. And I said something under my breath. And men, if you're married or you have a girlfriend, you do not say the words I'm about to tell you what I said. I said, why can't you just do this and put it on a hanger? You don't do that. Rule number one, you don't say those kind of statements to your wife. She had no, I had no reason to say what I did to her. And listen, she had worked a hard day too. You know, I don't know why I got angry, but I did. And, you know, that was stupid. Instead of saying what I did, I could have just picked it back up and just said, it's okay. No big deal. But I didn't. Anger is crazy. Listen, there's so much that is in the world to make you angry. It's so easy. Look around. Every single thing has been and probably will be in the future politicized or have an agenda tied to it when you are talking to somebody or when you see it like on the TV or whatever it is, everything has some kind of like hidden agenda or it's politicized and it just drives me crazy. But I can 100% promise you today, I have no agenda with what the words I'm going to speak today. My agenda is that of God. And that is one that is speaking truth in life and is used to give him glory. You know, this is, this this stage is not for Clayton. It's not for me. It's not for any of the guys you see on the team. It's 100% for God's glory. We are not up here to glorify ourselves. And I 100% will guarantee you that I, for the next I don't know, 20, 25 minutes, will only want to use my words to build up the kingdom. And I also want to reaffirm the overwhelming need for a unified body of believers, and I want to talk about how we're going to achieve that unity. And in a world that is so desperate for a Savior, there is no substitute that will suffice. 
except the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So listen, last week, if you remember, Pastor, Stop, uh, Pastor started off with a pretty big statement. He said, being anxious isn't a sin, but guess what? Being angry is not a sin either. It's okay to be angry. We have seen Jesus, and I'm going to get into it, be angry in Scripture. You know, it's the destructive and the sinful nature and the behavior that anger will cause that we have to watch out for. It's what we allow the emotion of anger to do and dictate in our lives and our actions that we have to watch out for. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4. This is verse 26 through 27. And don't let sin, or I'm sorry, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And, you know, there's some translations that say opportunity or foothold. Um, it's, here's the thing. Falling into the anger and dwelling in that anger that's easy for us to get caught up in, that is just what the devil wants. He wants that foothold in your life. Because when he gets the foothold in your life, he thrives in the chaos that anger brings. He loves the crazy toxicity of anger and what it will bring in our lives. Um, it causes chaos. He thrives in the hectic world of chaos. And the thing is, everything that is of this world, it's his dominion. You know, it's the devil's playground. Everything that comes from it is from his hand. And I guarantee you, it is a device that he is trying to use on you right now to get angry because he knows it can destroy your relationships. Yeah. It destroy the relationships with your friends, your family, your colleagues. And that's the thing. If he gets that foothold in there, it kills off hope. It kills joy. It takes happiness away. And he, he wants nothing more than to see your life crumble because here's the thing. God's building a testimony in your life right now whether you know it or not. Yeah. And in that testimony... He knows that it is powerful and that it carries truth. And that truth that is of Jesus can absolutely destroy the devil and what he's trying to do on the world. So he's going to do everything he can to take your testimony away from you. When we allow anger to creep into our lives, it makes us think the worst around us. I'm sorry, it makes us think the worst about those around us. Every situation, every person... Every look that you might get, Clayton kind of touched on this last week. You know, you, you get this paranoia about your relationships and what people are trying to do. What are they saying about me? The devil thrives in that. Don't give the devil a foothold in your life. And here's the thing, too. I, you know, I jokingly said that story about me and Angelia, but the things over, I have seen over the last year, they've made me very angry. And... There's, there's problems, there's situations that have arose, um, headlines that are on news articles, just divisive garbage that the world puts out. Like, every world event over the last year, there's been so many, I can't even name them all. They um, have made me wrestle with thoughts and feelings and emotions that have just gotten me so upset. And I just, I ask myself, why do I allow myself to get upset? Why do I sit there and think about everything that's wrong in the world and why can't God just fix it with a snap? Why can't it just be fixed? Why does anger, anxiety, hurt, hopelessness, 
why does it exist? And, you know, just because you see me today, or you see Pastor Clayton week in and week out, or any quote-unquote famous preacher or worship group or speaker, you know, we, we deal with those feelings. Don't think that just because you might not be serving or you're not on a platform, you know, don't think that you're alone in that. We, we deal with anger. We deal with anxiety, too. Um, it's a real thing that we deal with. And um, even in the midst of that, there's hope. And I know that I have everything I need to conquer those feelings. And you do, too, friend. You have everything you need to conquer those feelings in the Word. And we're going to look into some Scripture today because I've realized that spending time with God and that God himself was angry, that there's, a, there's a way that we can turn that anger into some kingdom-building unity and actions in the world. Let's take a look at Matthew 21, and this is verse 12 through 14. Jesus went into the temple, and he threw out all those who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers, and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, It's written, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Now let me set you up for some backstory. Jesus has just entered the temple in Jerusalem. He's just gotten to Jerusalem, and he's so upset. He's so angry with what he's seeing in the Father's house. The Father's house is known for prayer. It's known for restoration. It's known for the people who had nowhere to go. It's known for those people so they could come to Jesus and have an encounter with Jesus. And these people, these officials, these merchants, all, this other, all these other people have turned the Father's house into quite literally a den of thieves. The people who need it the most have been outcast. They have nowhere to go. He's angry. He's angry. He literally throws the ones who are defiling the temple, and he flips tables. He, what, what would you all do if I just flipped this table? If I just got so mad at, like, whatever situation, I don't know. Just think of something. If I just flipped this table, like, that would be so weird. And it's so uncommon for Jesus, who's known for his love. He's known for his compassion and all these great things. And he comes in and he flips the table. What would you think if you saw the Savior riding in? First thing he does is flip a table when he gets into Jerusalem. I don't know what I would do. I don't know how I would react. And the thing that gets me, and I, I didn't get this until I studied and I read a little bit more. I read it two more times. Verse 14. I'm going to put that up on the screen again. It's the most beautiful part of the story. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. His heart was broken for the ones who were mistreated, outcast, hurting, shown no care. He was angry for those who were hurting, but the thing that gets you, and it gets me every time, and that, that's why verse 14 is so powerful, he wasn't angry about what people did to Jesus himself. He was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. It shows that in 12 through 14. As Jesus' heart broke for the hurting, it serves as a reminder that we're to reflect those same actions in our own lives. My goodness, Jesus would soon die on a cross and he would, never for a second, never once was he mad at the people who were putting him on that. He knew that he was going to die. He knew that he would be crucified. 
died the most humiliating death that he did not deserve. And never once did he get upset and condemn those people or whatever. He did not tell those people that they weren't loved. He never was uncharacteristic of Jesus. He took it because he knew that that was the death he had to die. So who are we to think that Jesus was angry for his own reason? He wasn't. He was, he was angry on the behalf of the ones who were mistreated. And it's, you know, it serves as a reminder that we have to reflect how to turn our anger into acts of kindness, acts of love, acts for the one that are hurting, the broken, the sick. And, you know, I don't think that necessarily means flipping tables in today's society. Maybe, if you want to. But it's, it's a step that we have to take to help the ones that are hurting. That's what we have to do. We have to mimic Jesus. We have to mirror the same compassion that Jesus showed in our own lives. And here's, here's, the, here's the key. We have to let our hearts break for the same things that broke and that continue to break the heart of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Let me say that again. We have to let our hearts break for the same things that break the heart of Jesus. Just like they did in Matthew. His heart still breaks today, folks. I mean, it just does. It breaks for people who are less fortunate than we might be. People who don't have a home. People who don't have food. His heart breaks for that. And we have to allow ourselves, we have to allow our hearts to break for those same exact things. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., he has a quote, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of paraphrase it, but um, he, he basically says, we have got to learn to turn our hard hearts and soft minds into tough minds and soft hearts. And I, I heard that quote several years ago, several years ago in a worship event, and it has stuck with me for at least four years. I can't get it out of my mind. And when you look at it and when you study some of the scripture, you know, tough minds, that means that it's rooted in truth. It's rooted that it's not going to be easily swayed. The things of the world aren't going to come into your mind and just get your mind off Jesus. We've got to have firm truth that we can stand on in our minds that are not going to be easily swayed by things of the world. And soft hearts. Soft hearts are hearts that are willingly available to listen with compassion and understanding. You know, there's a, there's a notion that some people think that, oh, if you have a soft heart, you're weak. Man, that might be a thing in your life. Man, if you've got a soft heart, you're weak. You don't, you're not a man. That's not true. Soft hearts mean you're aware. Soft hearts don't mean anything about toughness. That means that you're aware. You're aware to the hurt around you. You're aware to the ones who are hurting, broken, family, friends, whatever it is. You're aware of the hurt around you. You know, your heart, a soft heart, will help us determine how we act. It's a direct reflection, our heart is, of how we are to people, our actions to people, and our reactions to people if someone does something to us. Uh, you know, if our heart is just full of garbage and filth and we have been looking at things that we shouldn't be looking or saying things that we shouldn't be saying behind closed doors or whatever it is, that's going to come out in our relationships with one another. It's just an absolute fact. Let's look at Proverbs 4.23. This is out of the Passion Translation. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring 
of life. That's pretty key. You know, at Ridgepoint, we exist so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. And I am so passionate about that statement. Pastor Clayton is so passionate about that statement. Our teams are so passionate about seeing people come to Jesus and us as individuals having relationships with one another that glorify our King and that lift His name above every other name in the world. If our relationships with one another are to be transformational, then we have to keep vigilant in maintaining a pure heart that's rooted in Jesus Christ and His teachings. That goes back to what I just said. We can't be taking in all this filth through our eyes, through our actions, through our ears. We can't be listening to stuff that we shouldn't be listening to or seeing things that we shouldn't be seeing or talking in ways that we shouldn't be uh, talking because when we come to church and when we have those relationships, we do the thing that Clayton has been preaching on for the last little bit. We put a mask on. We put a mask on if we're just here and we're cool on one day of the week and we're all about Jesus and his message on one day of the week, but for the other six days, we're just we're living a lie. That's not how we are going to transform relationships on earth. That's not how we're going to build the kingdom, folks. I can guarantee you that. Here's a big statement, and this, this gets me. Soft hearts will always choose to see the good in our brothers and sisters. Soft hearts will always choose to see the positive rather than the negative. Soft hearts will always choose love over hate. We have to be willing to have soft hearts to allow our relationships to be transformed for the glorifying of Jesus. The purity of our hearts is what life will flow from. You know, that scripture that I just read out of Proverbs says it. It's your innermost being. That's where, that's where life flows from. Flows from tongue-tied. That's where life will flow from. And we have to keep a pure, steady heart that's rooted in Jesus. That's the only way that we can be kingdom builders while we're on the earth. Let me, uh, let me say another scripture real quick if you don't care. It's Psalms 51.10. It says, Create a new clean heart within me. Fill me with, your, with pure thoughts and holy desires that are ready to please you. If we want people to lean into everything that God has for them, if we want collective relationships with Jesus to be just so full of Jesus and it's overflowing in our lives and revival is happening while we're on the earth, we have to be able to turn anger, for whatever reason, situations or people, into kingdom-building unity. And I think that's a great starting point. We turn that anger into kingdom-building unity Friends, we're going to change the world, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to change the world to get more souls into heaven. I want to see heaven full, don't you? I want to see heaven with all of you, with all these people who might be watching online. I want to see heaven full so we can have a party up there with Jesus and glorify his name 24-7. Time's not even a thing up there. But we're going to be praising Jesus all of our days, and I can't wait. I've got three quick points before I start to wind down on how we can build life-changing unity among us believers that overflow into every relationship that we have with friends, with colleagues, people who are, they don't know Jesus or they're far from Jesus, I want to talk about three points that I think will hopefully lead generations to come down the road into so much, whatever is in store for them through Jesus, 
This is how we can do it through unity. Our first point today is grace. As believers, we have to be able to extend grace to every person, regardless of the circumstance and regardless of the reason or whatever they've done. We can't shame people. We've made mistakes. Jesus forgave us. Forgave us. I'm sorry. He forgave us. He showed us grace when he didn't have to. The blood that flowed on Calvary's hill was all that we needed. It doesn't matter what we've done or what we will do or what are we doing right now. There's grace for us. There's endless grace because of Jesus. I've fallen short so many times. I'm not perfect by any means. No one that you see, no one that will ever have a microphone in their hand that talks about Jesus or maybe they're playing an instrument, whatever it is, no one's perfect. But through grace, we are redeemed because through grace, God says that, child, you may have made mistakes, but guess what? You're still going to build my kingdom while you have breath. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. We've had shortcomings, but you know what we do? We use the grace, the grace to strengthen us in our times of need. And then we come alongside others who are hurting, and we encourage and we lift them up in Christ. That way we can lift the name of Jesus above every other name. Yeah. Hebrews 4, 16. It says, so now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned. Or there's some uh, versions of that that say the throne of grace. To receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace that we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. Man. I'm going to move on. Second point. Forgiveness. Listen, I understand it's easy to get frustrated when your feelings are hurt. When you've been hurt, when you've been let down by people, people aren't perfect. They're going to hurt you. It's just going to, it's just how it is. It's a natural reaction to be hurt. But Scripture's pretty clear on what we are to do when we forgive others just as Christ forgave us. Forgiveness is the key to restoring the relationships that have been broken by the works of the devil. The devil might have ruined a relationship with your mom or your dad or family member or a friend who you loved, you loved dearly. But forgiveness allows that connection to be restored. Because of God, we can forgive. God shows us that it doesn't matter what people have done to him, they were forgiven. We have to be willing to extend first and say, listen, let's just forget about that stuff. I forgive you. I see you for who you are. You're a child of God. Come alongside me and let's lift up Jesus' name. Let's, Let's build the kingdom while we have breath. Forgiveness is the key to restoring the relationships that have been broken by the works of the devil. Listen, maybe it's in cases that, you know, I just said that maybe they've they done something to you. Listen, I understand. Maybe they didn't do something to you. Maybe you were expecting falsely for someone to do something in your life and they just didn't do it and you have hurt over that. We have to forgive on that end too. That's hard. That's a hard thing for me to swallow because I have felt that in my life. Maybe I was expecting someone to come alongside me and pray for me and lift me up or whatever it is, you know, we have to put that pride aside and say, guess what? I forgive you, man. And they might look at you and be like, what are you talking about? What did I do? What did I do to you? But guess what? You know it. If you know it, then you have to be willing to extend forgiveness. If we've held out and held on to feelings of anger for extended periods of time, regardless of the situation... Maybe we need to take a step back. Let's ask God to intervene and clean our hearts. Let's look at Colossians 
2. This is verse 13 and 15 through 15. I'm sorry. And he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. This is a big one. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. That's it. It's the ultimate sign and symbol of forgiveness. And if you've been following along, here's my third point. It's love. Love is the third key that we need to build unity and kingdom building relationships in our lives. And I know you might be saying, well, listen, Michael, those are three pretty easy things. I mean, you said grace, you said forgiveness, you said love. Those are so simple. Guess what? Jesus intended for them to be simple. Grace. Show grace to someone who needs it. Simple. Forgive. Forgive as God forgave you. Child, I forgave you, so why can't you forgive that person? It's simple. Love is simple. Love is just love your neighbor as yourself. There are three simple things that will absolutely change the world and ignite an absolute revival of Jesus while we're on this earth. Jesus was known for his love, not his anger. If Matthew 21 teaches us anything, it's that above all, Jesus showed his heart was centered around loving. His heart broke for those people who were mistreated at the temple. It broke for the people who were mistreated at the temple because he loved them so much and he cared for them. He flipped the table and said, get this stuff out of my temple, out of my father's house. We're going to use it for what it was meant to be used for. In an effort, here's a big one. In an effort to be right in today's world, in today's day and age and time, people have forgotten to be loving. It's not our goal. Jesus doesn't call us to argue with one another and try to be right. Like, it's so important to us at risk point that it's one of our values that Clayton talked about back in January. Like, it's so important for us and we hold it so close to our heart because there's a reason that the greatest commandment besides that of loving God with all your heart is to love others as much as yourself. John 15, 12. Go look it up. There's a reason that at risk point you will hear us say we love differently. So much so that you're going to get sick and tired of us saying it. But guess what? That's all right. Because we mean it. We love differently. We're going to be the ones who extend love in a place in the world that they might not be getting love. We're going to do that. We're going to go to the people who are outcasts. We're going to go to the people who have nothing, who society has shunned away, and they've put them over here in this corner, and they've said, you don't belong. You don't belong. They're going to take the people who have had circumstances that they can't control and that they find themselves in that the world spits on. We're going to go, we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus and say, guess what? You, you come here. Let me love on you. Do you need anything? Do you need shelter? Here, here's some shelter. You need some love right now? Are you feeling lonely? Come here. Let's go talk. Let's go grab a coffee. Let's go. Let me, let me buy you something to feed you. We're going to show love, folks. That's how we're going to do it. Love differently. We need to be united, folks. We can't be divided and be united. It doesn't work. Would you rather be right in your argument or would you rather be one? One collective body, one collective group of people who are just so on fire for Jesus. So on fire for Jesus. I don't care about being right anymore. I've, I've tried to, I've, I've been that way too long. I said to myself last year, I don't care about arguments, man. I don't care about it. 
I don't care about trying to be right in a world that is going to beat me down either way. It's going to say I'm wrong in any circumstance, but I don't care about being wrong anymore. I don't care about arguments. I don't care about the petty stuff that the world has to throw at me because I have a hope that this world is not my home. Jesus shows that it's how you turn your anger into acts of love that shows the world what true gospel is all about. True love is all about how we love. That's what Jesus shows us. I want to invite the worship thing back up. One of my favorite songs that we do at the church is Good Grace. And it's one of my all-time favorite lyrics that starts a song off. And this is, it's just so simple. It says, people come together, strangers, neighbors, our blood is one. Children of generations, of every nation, of kingdom come. And I think, I'm just going to brag on Chandler. He does a great job at leading that song, guys. Like, he, he, we plugged him in two years ago, and he's just done everything we've ever asked him to do. He's just so great. So I just wanted to throw that in. Um, listen, that song is the ultimate song of unity. It's a charge for people to come together, be one, set the world on fire for Jesus. Every, every tribe, every tongue, that's what the gospel says. Every tribe and tongue, God's going to call them together. It's that declaration of a unified people that brings me so much joy and hope for the future because I know there's better days ahead. 2020 was hard. Some of 2021 has been hard. I'm so burdened in my heart for the people that are going through stuff right now in 2021. And you throw on the weather that's happened over the last week and a half, man. There's people who are across the nation hurting. And they don't have anybody. And we've got to come together and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 12 says that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. Because a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And I just can't help but feel passionate about that unity that God is very obviously calling us to. He's not calling us to be divided. Now more than ever, we have to be unified. Take out divided, plug in unified. That's what we need to do. Let's think back for a moment. Listen, if you don't take away anything that I've said today, take away these next two to three minutes. Okay? Let's look back at all the times Jesus could have been angry at the people around him. His surroundings that he found himself in the things people did to him. Let's take, for example, Pontius Pilate. He was responsible for handing Jesus over to the ones who would ultimately send him to his death. But never once did he dispute Pilate or condemn him. He didn't throw him away. He knew his fate. and He didn't put that blame on Pilate, on one man. Look at Judas, the disciple who would betray him and turn him over to the chief priests and officials for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus knew he would be the one to betray him. And again, he did not cancel Judas. Peter, oh my gosh, look at Peter. You know what Peter did? He bold-faced told Jesus to his face. 
even if I must die alongside you, I won't deny you. Matthew 26. And before the rooster crowed or the, the morning came, he denied him three times. Not once, not twice, not three times. Denied him three times and later Jesus would appear and asked him if he loved him three times. Each time digging deeper into Peter after he's went through the worst weeks of his life since he denied Christ. He committed the biggest mistake of his life, but guess what? Peter wasn't tossed to the side. He experienced life-changing restoration because of Jesus. Peter would go on to be the rock that Jesus called him to be once Jesus ascended back into heaven. And when he could have taken the wrongs that Peter committed against him and held anger against him for denying, he accepted Peter with open arms and sent him out to transform the world in his holy name. That's the embodiment of love over anger. That's what we're called to be like. Sorry. Jesus is love. Jesus love. Let's be characterized by our love, not our anger. I'm sorry I'm going over, but that's okay. Friend, listen to me. If you're all on, Jesus didn't cancel any of those men. I'm sorry, he didn't cancel any of those men that I just talked about or many others. He's not going to cancel you. He's not going to cancel you, man. I'm telling you, never once, there's never been a sin that you committed that he said, no, you're, you're, you're done with me. I don't need you in my life. I don't need you in my kingdom. I'm, I'm, I'm God. I don't need you. No, he didn't throw those people to the side. There's no reason for you to think he'll throw you to the side, okay? I could have been thrown to the side a long time ago, but God said, no, man, you're going to get up and you're going to be my hands and feet. There's not been a sin that you've committed that will ever separate you from the love of Christ. I don't care if there's something that you have done or doing right now. Maybe, you're, maybe you've done it in the past or maybe you'll even do it. It doesn't matter because God's not going to do that and it's never going to cause Him to distance Himself from you. That is just not who God is. God doesn't say, let me take a step over here. You stay over there. Take some time to figure this out. No, man. God's like, come here. Come here. I'm going to put you on my shoulder. We're going to walk around. We're going to talk. We're going to have a great time, man. That's not, Jesus doesn't distance himself. He goes after the one. He leaves the 99 behind because he's going to find you and he's going to come to you. And he's going to chase you down. I promise he's done it to me. He'll do it for you. I promise. I promise. It's in the scripture. Scripture doesn't lie. It's truth. Like I said, God isn't someone who distances himself, but what he is, who he is, however, is a God who redeems and loves you with open arms. And all you have to do is call his name out. All you have to do is call his name. I don't know if you're in here today and you've, you feel distant. You're upset over yourself of the things that you've done or the things that you've said to somebody or whatever it is. Man, I promise you, God's here waiting for you. If you just call his name out, he was going to give you restoration through him through everything that God is and the mysterious ways he works and I'll never understand it 
He has a way of meeting you in the place that you're at right now. If you're in this room or you're watching online or if you watch in the future, I promise it's not by coincidence. You're here for a reason. I know I'm speaking to somebody in this room right now. I feel it in my spirit, my spirit gut. I'm just, it's just telling me. There's nothing that you have done that will separate you from the love that Jesus Christ has for you. Your testimony is still being written. Come on. There's no reason to think that your testimony is done because of a mistake. God says, man, you're my child. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm here. Aren't you thankful that God didn't cancel you? Aren't you thankful that God didn't cancel you just like he didn't cancel those men I just mentioned? Instead, he canceled the sin. He canceled the sin by when he took it to the cross and he, with those nails that went through his hands and his feet and with the crown of thorns and the blood that rushed out, that is when your sin was taken away. He canceled the sin and the death that you would have. He didn't cancel you. He will never cancel you. He is waiting for open arms and restoration that only he can provide. Only he can provide. I'm so thankful this morning. Let's pray. God, I am so thankful that you chose to be a God that is characterized by love and not by anger. I am thankful that you have canceled every sin, every debt for anybody in this room. God, I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that you were working and that you've been working all morning. I'm thankful that you are here. I'm just so thankful for each and every person individually who's sitting here. I might not know every one of them. I may not know everybody who's online, but listen, you do, God. You call them by name. You're, they are precious in your sight. They are a child of God. Let us not forget that. Even in the midst of everything that we're going through and even in the midst of loneliness and depression because of our mistakes and our failures and our shortcomings, we still have hope in your name. Never once was there a sin that you committed, friend, that was too great for God to overcome and say, child, I'm right here with you, man. I am I'm here. Just call out. Just come to me. I will embrace you with open arms like you never left me. Never once will there ever be a sin that you will commit that I will say I won't love you and I'll turn my back. Never once. Never have we ever done anything or will do anything that will separate us from the love of Christ. And that is a reason to be thankful. Oh God, I'm just so thankful again that you were characterized by your love and not your anger. Jesus, I pray for the people who are hurting. I pray for the people who are broken. I pray for the people who have no hope. I pray for the people who might be going through a situation that no one knows about, but you know about. Maybe they don't want to share it with anybody for whatever reason. Maybe they don't want to open up to somebody and listen. I, I get it. I get it. I've been in situations where I just couldn't tell anybody anything. But I told you, God. And I told you, and you didn't reject me, and you accepted me. And you said, we're going to get through this together. You have stuff to do on this earth while you have breath in your lungs, child. I need you to carry on my word. Oh, Jesus, we're just so thankful this morning. Thankful for everything that you are, everything that you have been, and everything that you will be in the future. Amen.
Friends, we're going to sing another song. And listen, I encourage you that if you have anything that you need to lay down at the altar, it's open. You don't have to get up. You can stay in your seat. God still comes to you where you're at. If you have anything at all, I encourage you. Pastor Clayton, I'm sure, will be happy to pray for you. I'll do the same. I just, if there's someone here, if you're watching online, you can click on a button on our church online app or on our website, I'm sorry. And if you need a moment to pray with somebody, there will be somebody waiting for to pray with you online. God has never once left you, friend. He's never going to do it. That's our hope, okay? Never once has there been a time where God said, you are not my child. He's always going to be his, the father, okay? He's always going to be the father who calls you home. Okay? As we sing, guys. <laughs>